98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Home court advantage. It's a privilege granted to the number one seed in the NBA playoffs. The Phoenix Suns are that number one overall seed this season. They have proven for months on end that they are the best organized depth defense offensive coach teams in the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns are still the team to beat in the Western Conference. They have been the best team in the NBA for 98% of this season. Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. Yeah, another win for the Phoenix Suns last night, this time over the Warriors, 107-103. That ties the franchise record with 62 wins. They have a chance to break it tomorrow night in Memphis against the Grizzlies. And joining us right now is a Suns legend himself, Tom Chambers. So I figured Tom Chambers give us some pretty good uh, perspective on this. Tommy. How you doing today? Good. How you guys doing? Doing good. You know, I'm fat and old for the most part, Tommy, but <laughs> somehow, someway, I'm... talking about me, Hey, buddy, you know, I, I heard you after the game, of course, and I felt exactly the same way. But please tell me, what is your issue with Draymond Green? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Did, did you actually ask me that question? <laughs> he, he's, he's such a yapper. I mean, he's just that yep. guy. It's like it's like when when the bear is asleep or the dog is down. Why kick it? You know what I mean? Just just let it go because he he just he just opens up a can of whip uh, a whip something every time he opens his mouth. He drives me nuts. He makes you want to play harder and inspire you. I mean, I guess if he was if he was on your team, you'd probably like him a little better, like Pat Bev. But uh, Draymond was playing really well earlier in the season. He's been brutal as of late, but last night, he, he woke up. He wanted that game bad, and, and uh, he, he played really, really well. Him and Jake Crowder don't like each other a whole lot, and I love that part of it. <laughs> Talking to Tom Chambers. Yeah, Tom, let, let's just go down that path then. I mean, if if we really do see Suns-Warriors for a best-of-seven series in the playoffs, and we're going to see Draymond Green pretty much every other day for two weeks, how, uh, how irritating is he going to be at that point with the season on the line? Well, you know, he he didn't seem to be irritating at all uh, earlier in the year when Steph was playing and he was playing and he was playing at an all-star level. He kind of shut his mouth and went about, you know, his job and was really good at his job. Haven't talked a whole bunch lately, but last night he was feeling his oats pretty good. I don't know if somebody fired him up, Jay, or he just wanted to fire his team up because they had been playing so horribly. But um, it, it'd be fun to play them. It really would. I don't. I don't. I'm not afraid of Draymond in any in any stretch of the word. That that team. I mean. I mean, Jordan Poole, I, I'm afraid of him a little bit. I mean, that guy's really good, but they don't have any bigs. You know, the Suns, I think, would uh, would, would pretty much dominate them. But that being said, you know, Steph Curry, that guy is just, he's that guy. And if he comes back healthy off his foot thing, then, then uh, you know, that's a, that's a team you really don't want to, you know, want to have to take a chance with. So, Tommy, when you think of last night and what happened last night and the fact that the Phoenix Suns beat the Warriors, what is the first thing you think of when you think of this team? the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they're just, a, it's like, it's like, you know, well, it's like, 
too good to be true. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it, you try and you, you know, I have a son, and he was always so sweet and so nice and so whatever. I'm like, what's going to happen? You know, this can't this can't last forever. You know, and yet it keeps it continues on down that road, and they keep getting better players. They keep getting tighter to closer together. I mean, I mean, they're great at defense. They have defensive player of the year guy. They have a couple of guys who you know were up there in the MVP conversation, uh, coach of the year certainly, executive of the year probably. Um, I, it's just that this is just a great group of people, and I just can't help but worry that uh, something something's going to happen because it really hasn't. That well, when it has, when Chris Paul hurt himself, they seem to they they get through it, and and, and Book gets they get through it, and Aiton and they get through it. So it's just it's just almost too good to be true that this group right here. You know what, Tommy? It makes me very, very uncomfortable as a former professional athlete to look at a team knowing that the Suns play in the NBA, which is the highest level our species can generate in terms of playing the game of basketball. And yet, I look at this Suns team, Tommy, and I see a team, it's always about them and not their opponent. If they play to their standard and their level, it seems like there's nobody who can beat them, especially in a seven-game series. I, I agree with you. You know, uh, I mean, this this group, I mean, when we played, we, we used to take it one game at a time. And if you want to break it down, okay, let's win every quarter. With Chris Paul, I mean, he wants to win every possession. You know, every single possession. And that's just that's just really unheard of in this sport, that he wants to be on top of it and manage it and play it the right way and, and lead in the right manner. And, and, I mean, whether he's playing or whether he's not playing, it's just the way this group is. I mean, they say we'll take it one game at a time, but yeah, we want to win every game, you know, and, and they have six left. I mean, I'll take it one step further. Well, I mean, there's nothing for them to play for right now. How long right. does that happen? Right. You know, like like with games left, I mean, they, they clinched this thing, what, a, a few games ago for the best record, and, and now, you know, to the next game against Memphis, which will be a tough one, they can have the best ever, you know, in the in, in the with the Suns franchise, and that's a storied franchise. I mean, they were fourth best winning percentage in the whole NBA, yes. you know, a few years ago. So it's just crazy what they're doing with with six games left. It's like they could be on cruise control, but they don't want to lose any games, any games at all. Incredible. Talking to Tom Chambers, uh, Tom. We heard Cam Johnson say yesterday he'd really like to get back next week and get a few regular season games in before the playoffs start. And he referenced how he didn't really get that opportunity last year. How big do you think that is for a shooter like him? Well, Cam was playing the best he's ever played, and this team certainly likes him. I mean, he was the third or fourth best player on the team, and you like to have a guy like that because he's he's a he's a game changer, literally. I mean, he had what thirty eight points or something in the game. He you know he got hurt in. Um, I mean, to play that. I mean, even if you play a Warriors team, he could be the four, and and you know the Suns could match up with them going that way. So Cam is vital, um, in my opinion. I mean, they keep winning without Chris or without Cam or without whoever, but to have this team at full strength where you could rest people and, and get people, you know, the appropriate amount of time so you're not having to play, you know, Mikhail Bridges 39 or 40 minutes a game. It's just a, a it's a luxury to have a cam. So I hope he gets back. I hope he gets, you know, his rhythm back. Chris Paul's injury is a little different because he can still, he can still, you know, uh, train and work out and get his, keep his legs. Cam has not been able to do that because of, you know, it being a leg contusion and a severe one, I understand. So it'd be nice to have him get out there and get comfortable with it and 
jumping again and feeling uh, feeling athletic, if you will, and you know with, with whatever he's going to do out there on the court. His shooting, we know that will be there. So, Tommy, I asked this to Kevin Ray just yesterday, I believe. Um, who is the most improved of the four guys I'm going to give you? Campaign, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, or DeAndre Ayton? I, w- I would have to say Mikel and Cam Johnson. I mean, those two young guys have just, just gone to another level this season. I mean, they, they really have. You know, DeAndre's been DeAndre for, for a long time. We've seen this before. Um, Cam Payne, you, you love what he does, that energy he brings. And when Chris Paul was out, he was, I mean, he was, he had Chris Paul type numbers. But with Cam, with Cam Johnson and, and Mikel Bridges, those two guys are really, really good. Obviously, Mikel was rewarded with a contract, a nice contract. And Cam Johnson is going to be that type of a guy too that you want to keep around on the franchise with the franchise forever because he brings a skill set and also that nice guy. I mean, I were talking about Mikel last night. Great defense. I mean, great defender, elite defender, and now he's becoming a really good scorer. But he might be the best teammate anybody's ever had in their <laughs> right. life. And Cam, and Cam Johnson is the same way. They call those two guys twins. I mean, they're just stellar human beings, and you can't afford to lose people like that. Tom Chambers, great stuff as always, man. We always like talking to you. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you, Tommy. Thanks a lot. That's Tom Chambers joining us on the 72 Sold Sports Line. Get your price at 72sold.com. Coming up, what do former Cardinals have to say about Kyler Murray? One just gave his thoughts, and we'll react to it next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I feel like Green Day is now played on this show just to troll you. Wouldn't be the first time yeah. something was done on this show just to troll you. Yeah. I do like this right here. This is a good tune right here. Yeah. I do like Green Day. I didn't say you didn't oh, like Green okay, Day. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm just it saying. Just other bands are ripping Green Day okay. off. All right. Apparently. So Green Day is the standard by which every band after 1995 is measured. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Right. I'm just, I want to clarify the terminology. Uh, all right. So we have had this thought, and it's been kind of tossed out there. We know what are players going to say about Kyler Murray since his leadership was called into question? question uh, with all the Instagram stuff and his agent and, and now the anonymous sources around the Super Bowl saying, yeah, he's not a good leader. He's self-centered. It got us to wondering what are guys going to say when they start attaching their name to it? And especially guys that are leaving the team because they really don't have to say anything nice about Kyler Murray. Correct. They're not on the Cardinals anymore. Yeah. So Christian Kirk spoke uh, today on the Rich Eisen show, actually from a couple of days ago, but on the Rich Eisen show, and uh, and they asked him naturally, okay, you're in Jacksonville now, you can say whatever you want about Kyler Murray. How is he as a leader? I mean, he's he's everything you want, you know, in a quarterback. Uh, I think number one, you know, he's an ultimate competitor. Uh, you can just see it in his approach and you know the, his demeanor. Uh, every time we take the field on Sunday, that you know he's he's there to win, uh, and he wants to compete at the highest level and and you know be able to take his game and his team. Uh, to that point and so you know he has a relationship with you know all the guys you know on the offensive front and uh you know he he never backs down from you know competition so i think that's the most important part you know when you, when you talk about having a, a franchise quarterback 
Yeah, you know, that's good listening to Christian Kirk right there. He's, you know, once again, I'm going to tell you that speaking median, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter where you go for the most part. I doubt, unless you had real animosity for a former teammate, that anyone that is asked about that ex-teammate is going to rip that former teammate. Unless there was real animus that existed between you and that teammate. Um, Especially Christian Kirk. Just not going to come out and say something bad about anybody. But to be fair, the whispers are out there about Kyler Murray and his leadership. To be fair, um, this is Christian Kirk, a former player, but an ex-teammate of Kyler Murray, stepping up and saying he's everything you want in a franchise quarterback. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good point. It's not like this is not Christian Kirk who is, you know, calling a press conference or posting a video on Instagram saying, look, I got to get this off my chest about Kyler Murray. It's not any of that. He's on Rich Eisen's show. He probably assumes he's going to be talking about Jacksonville. I'm guessing most of the interview was about Jacksonville. He gets asked about his former quarterback. It seems very un-Christian Kirk-like to be like, oh, perfect, the opportunity to trash Kyler Murray. (laughs) Right. Uh, And also, I'm assuming Christian Kirk's probably just happy all the time now because he has 72 to 84 million reasons to be happy. But uh, but at the same time, you know, that is that that is a that's a very glowing recommendation of Kyler Murray. Take it however you want to take it, but that's, you know, that's Christian Kirk saying that publicly with his name attached to it. He went on about the body language. You know, I would say it's nonsense. Uh, you know, people can speculate and read into it uh, however they want, but you know, I look at it as, as passion. You know, the kids just passionate and you know, people show show their passion in different ways. Uh, like I said, he he just wants to win, and so obviously when things go wrong, it's a little disappointing, um, you know. But it's it's good, you know, for me in my eyes, you know, to see somebody who cares uh, enough to show show passion and, and wants to turn things around and win the football game. Uh, that's how I see it. Yeah, you know, honestly, I, I would agree with Christian Kirk in regard to saying, "Hey, listen, the body language doesn't have to be good in the post game press conference." Yeah, <laughs> and I, I I mean, honestly. Would yeah, who you cares? like? Would you like to see? Would you like to see somebody who isn't going to sulk in front of the press? Yes, you would. There's no doubt about that. Of course, always choose that. But always it's not choose. a prerequisite. But, but exactly right. If so, what if a guy is really down and he's bumped and he's still got the post game intensity going, where you know you lost a game and you don't like losing. I really don't have that much of a problem with a guy that might show bad body language or look like he's pouting or sulking after a game where you lose. I I get that. I yeah. totally understand that. The thing is, once again, during the game, the it's stuff. so important, man. It is so important in game, Luke, that that franchise quarterback, he's got a square jaw and he's got his shoulders back. Here we Go. You've got to send the here we go message to everybody else on that sideline. You can't have it. Yeah, I've come around on this because I I had the same sort of feeling about in-game as I did post-game. And then I've talked to you enough. I've talked to former players enough. Even a couple current players, they're like, no, that's if you're talking about a franchise quarterback, not just a quarterback, it's a big deal. And honestly... I see it because, like, Jay Cutler, great Jay arm. Cutler. Do you want to be Jay Cutler? 
As a franchise quarterback, you don't want to be Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler never won anything. And I don't, I'm not saying it's because he always had that look on his face on the sidelines. Yeah. But you're not getting anything extra out of your team when things are down. You're like, okay, well, what's, what's Jay thinking? Jay doesn't seem like he's even thinking about football. He's just staring off into the distance. I'm not saying that's why the Cardinals lost to the Rams. I'm just saying I've come around more on the importance of that body language as a franchise quarterback yes. in the middle of a game. And I think Kyler Murray was coming around on that, too, last I, season. I agree with that. Um, he's got to continue to do it. He's got to continue to understand how much it impacts everyone else on that sideline. Um, let the rage flow, man. I mean, this is this hyper-aggressive alpha male sport where if things aren't going well on the field in between the lines, um, keep it clean, keep it classy, but yell if you want to. It's one of the greatest things in the world about the game of football is you could go out there and tap in and yell. Think of Tom Brady. How many times have you seen Tom Brady come off the field and walk by his offensive linemen and start barking? How many times have you seen it? Listen, man, if something like that needs to happen, go for it. Go do it. But here's the problem. You got to make sure, Kyler, if you're going to do that, you got to make sure you got to make sure that you're giving everything you got yourself before you're going to start barking at somebody else. But this is where I think Kyler Murray can grow, is to actually approach a player or a group, if you will, and start barking. I want to play Kelvin Beecham from last week on ESPN. We played it on the show last week, but I want to play it again because this, to me, he's, uh, it's from two weeks ago, this is uh, Kelvin Beecham. To me, he's the standard. I'm going to measure every comment about Kyler Murray from a current or former teammate against going forward because Kelvin Beecham, who is a current teammate, said, look, it's not as bad as people are making it out to be, but he's not perfect. You know, I think you you have to have an appreciation for stability. And I think as an organization, we do have that stability right now. Uh, As it pertains to Kyler on the field, he loves to be competitive. He loves to lead. Um, and I think he's continuing to mature. Um, he's matured since I've gotten here, and that was in 2020. Um, I can see that maturation continuing to happen, the way in which uh, he spends time with his teammates um, outside of the building, uh, the way in which uh, he's asking more uh, of his teammates, uh, the way in which he's spending more time in the film room with the coaches. Uh, he's maturing. Um, he still has a ways to go. Uh, but he's, starting, he's, he's really starting to, to turn that corner of maturing and being uh, the franchise leader uh, that I think we all want to see. And this is exactly how I have felt. I am right there with Calvin Beecham. This guy has improved. There's no denying that. He has improved since he first showed up. But he's got to continue to improve. It's the reason why I say, I love Kyler. Listen, I, I love Kyler Murray. His, his talent is off the charts. He's the perfect quarterback to blend the old and the new together. And that's what I want to see. I want to see him continue to develop. And this is the reason why I say, one more year, Kyler. Show me one more year. One more year down the road. And all of a sudden, we're going to back up a Brinks truck you you have not seen ever. We're going to do that. Because the price for a franchise quarterback, especially one as talented as Kyler Murray, is only going to keep going up. It already has Give us, since this exactly all started. Exactly right. Give us one more year. Show us 
you're that dude. And we're going to back that thing up. But you've got to continue to to get better. This is what Calvin Beecham was talking about. He's got to develop. He's got to get better. He's got to continue to get better. I'm banking on that, that he does. Just give me one more year. Yeah, That's the thing, too. And I know when this all started, a couple people were like, he would be better off waiting a year for himself, too. And the more you think about it, like, it's not inconceivable the Chargers or the Bengals gives Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow an extension next summer. They don't have to. That'd be after year three for them, right? But they could. Lamar Jackson's going to get paid by somebody before next summer or at the start of next offseason or whatever. Like What you just said is so true, and it, it got lost in the shuffle at the beginning. The longer Kyler waits, the more he's getting paid. Yes. Even if he goes out there and does the exact same thing this year that he did yes. last year, the longer he waits, the more he's getting paid. <laughs> It's not a bad spot to be in. Uh, all right. Texture thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming uh, back after grabbing a four-point win over the Warriors, Devin Booker and his team were seen putting in extra work at the gym right after the game. We'll discuss the winner's work motto next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Yeah. The home of the Suns, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Wolf and Luke. The Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. Well, for three years, man, you can't even book me. It's me and little Baby going crazy. Weezy produced it and Weezy have made me. And she held it down, so she got him a mistake. Your money records, the army. You right over there? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> this is going to be one of those shows where you just kind of. Where's the Kleenex? Come back, giggle. Yeah, from every break. Right, okay. Um, did you see the Phoenix Suns last night <laughs> after the game? I did, as a matter of Working out after the game. No, I did not. Oh, yeah. Well, they were. They were working out after the game. As if to shame all of us, Devin Booker just dropping like 20 pull-ups. So what's the most pull-ups you've ever done? Oh, man. I mean, back when I was felt, um, I would say about 20. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, why? You've never done that? My career high is like nine. I mean, I'm talking about when you're 12. Seriously? No, I couldn't do them when I was... Actually, I hit nine last year during the pandemic. I would just work out okay. for I could do nine. And I felt like I won every Olympic gold medal doing nine. Wow. And then you realize everybody else can do a lot more than nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Booker yeah, was, yeah. like, one-arming them. Like, he just did 20 casually while doing that's interviews. Totally. That's awesome right there, man. Working out with weights? You're saying they were in the weight room. They were working I, out after the game. I'm stunned by this. I'm stunned by this news. Well, here's Monty Williams talking about it. I mean, that's who we are. We, we are a work team. And even though the... The studies show that, you know, lifting after a game helps with the recovery. I think they really enjoy being around each other. They enjoy the work. They've seen the fruits of their labor. And, um, I mean, that's who we've been from day one. I mean, you, you can't win 62 games by falling into it. You have to go take it and apprehend it. And, and this is the guys chasing something and apprehending it in a way that, you know, is contagious. But it's also our DNA. That is, okay, where do I begin on that one right there? I mean, that is Tony Robbins. That is, here we go. <laughs> hey, my young crunk brothers, you want to accomplish something? You want to be successful at something? Be intentional about what it is you're doing. If it matters enough to you, if it's if it's important to you, be intentional about what you're doing. Take hold of what it is that you're doing. And take personal responsibility for your growth, for your success. 
That's exactly what Monty Williams just said about this team. And they do it not individually. They do it collectively. That's stunning to me. I never knew this. These guys work out after a game? So they bark before the game. Right. They play the game and and typically embarrass whoever they're playing. And then after the game, they work out. And and yeah, that wasn't just a last night thing, according to Monty Williams. That's happening after every game. I mean, does this happen most nights? This is every game. Every game, home and road. Home and road. I mean, that's quite quite a commitment. It is, but... As I've said before, yeah. our guys are chasing something. And um, when you're chasing something, you don't want to get to whatever you're chasing and not be ready. And we call it preparation meeting opportunity. And uh, our guys are preparing for the opportunity to do something special. And um, they enjoy the work. But this is the first time you all have seen it. They've, they've been doing this for a long time. And um, our, our staff, we talk to them a lot about how much we appreciate their commitment to the work. And, um, you know, they're, they're the reason why we get to do what we do. They're the reason why I'm sitting here talking. I'm blessed to do what I do. But our players, they just get the work in every single day. I should just be making a list of all the things that either I like about this Suns team or is something that's encouraging about this Suns team. Maybe I'll just do it throughout the playoffs, but I, attention to detail needs to go on the list, too. Attention to detail. Like yeah. you're saying right there, being intentional about what you're doing. Like, okay, we're going to get to hit this level. I'm going to do this individual thing, and we're going to work out after every game. We're going to enter the court like a pack of dogs before every game. This is how we're going to do this. We're gonna, And you know it carries over into the game. You see it. But a lot of that leads to attention to detail. If this team gets knocked out in the playoffs, and I... I really am not going to be picking against them no matter who they're playing. But if they got knocked out of the playoffs, it's not going to be because they messed something or they left something out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, we should have done this. Right. It's going to be because Steph drops 50 or something. It's going to take an inhuman, superhuman effort to beat the Phoenix Suns in the best of seven I series. Just, you know what, Tommy, Tom Chambers, if you're still listening right now, or EJ, Eddie, if you're listening right now, honestly, text me. I'd love to. Is, when did this happen? When I, I, it just seems like such a weird thing to do after a game, especially where you're you're fini- you're on the road, and you're you're gonna hey let's go hit the weight room. Uh, I <laughs> what if Golden State's like get out of our weight room? I, I, I'm just saying no. I, I it just seems so weird for that to happen. And was that the case, Tom Jabers? Was that the case, Eddie Johnson? Was that the case with you guys when you were playing? Did you do that? Because it seems like to me, especially the time of night that you're actually finishing games, that man, let's get in the hot tub. Let's go ahead. Let's hit the the cold shower. Let's take a, a you get in the cold tub. Let's do something like that. I, I recover, not go work out and lift. Now, Monty says, of course, that research has showed that it helps you recover better. That's Something I've never even heard of. Here's more. Uh, this is from Devin Booker talking about it. I mean, we know what we're working for. You know, strength and conditioning is a big part of what we do out there. And you know, through my years at NBA and, and learning, and you know, having good vets around, you know, you, you realize how important the weight weight room is. So. 
know, it's our job as leaders to make sure everybody is, you know, not only getting the work in on the court, but, you know, making sure their body is activated and, and ready to go. You know how ridiculous this team is, Wolf? This is what it's like, okay? <laughs> like, 30 years from now, we're going to be referencing this team. When, the, when like, when the Suns aren't good or something, we're going to be like, I remember the 2022 Suns. They'd go out there and they'd, they'd win 62 out of uh, 76, and they go work out after the game in the other team's arena, and right. you know, they, they would do this, and they'd do that. They'd lose a guy for 21 games. They'd go 18 and 3. Chris Paul got hurt. They went 11 and 4. I remember back when the 2022 Suns were the standard by which you measure, measured basketball teams. That's what we're going to be saying the next time the Suns aren't good. Yes. Be like, where's Monty Williams? You know what? Why would, honestly, right now, you are such a downer sometimes. Why would you bring that up? Why would you bring The Suns right it. now are looking at maybe a historic, well, it is historic right now, a historic season right now. And who knows how it's going to end? And you're already talking about when they're going to. No, it's the perspective. Next you got to really soak it in while um, it's happening. I know this is as good as it gets. Yes, and no. I want to make sure we just keep remembering that. That's what they're going to say. <laughs> Remember the 2022 Suns? What a downer! That's this is the standard by which all future teams will be measured. Is this it's, team? It's okay. It's your generation, man. <laughs> <laughs> the downer generation. <laughs> All right. This is one of those times where you threw that at me. I didn't have the T's ready. It's the last shot to participate in the madness. Text box to 620-620. Choose from the last four teams for your chance to win $500. So you can just start over with these final four teams. That's Bucks to 620-620. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. All right. The NFL draft is just under a month away. So which defensive player specifically are the Cardinals being linked to? We'll catch you up on that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona. On a sports station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, it is mock draft season, and I've got some draft capsules here right now for you, Wolf. Okay, nice. And I'm looking through, we've got the mock draft tracker up, which I highly recommend if you don't want to sit there and read through every mock draft on the internet and be like, okay, well, now who do these guys have? The Cardinals taking at 23. we got the mock draft tracker up on ArizonaSports.com, and they do a good job with it. It was just updated like a day or two ago, and uh, it goes through and basically does the work for you. It goes through all the major mocks out there, and uh, and then it... it puts together, okay, who's who's been mocked to the Cardinals at 23 the most. Love it. So, like, right now, it's George Karloftis, the defensive end out of Purdue, has been mocked to the Cardinals more than okay. anybody else. Okay. Uh, Andrew Booth, the corner out of Clemson. I'm trying to find other... Okay. Trent McDuffie, the corner out of Washington, which I would just assume, yeah. Washington Huskies, secondary, he's going to get drafted by the Cardinals. Okay. Just like Buda Baker and Byron Murphy. And, yeah. So, okay, we've got edge, we've got uh, corner, I like the direction of this. Mm-hmm. I saw Bucky Brooks' mock draft yesterday had your guy Jordan Davis still on the board you and going to the Cardinals at 23. Yeah, I'm wondering why that is right now. Why would Jordan Davis still actually be on the board at number 23? Because you're talking about an absolute freak of nature, number one, and he's a freak of nature that can play. Now, he's not going to be a dominant three technique in terms of rushing the passer and getting to the passer. But he is a huge body that can just really clog up things and mess things up. And you're talking about a guy that also is a freak. As I said, 341 pounds, 
that ran a 478, a legitimate 478. As a matter of fact, they had him down as a 482 at the combine, and they rechecked it and then altered it to 478. Jordan Davis, defensive tackle, Georgia. Davis is a beefy, burly, enormous defensive tackle with surprising quickness and athleticism. He is immovable inside and can be plugged right in to become one of the league's best run stoppers right away. While he does lack agility and is not a great pass rusher, his skill set can definitely translate to success in the right scheme. NFL comp, all pro defensive tackle, Ted Washington. Okay, sold. That, that <laughs> he 40, turns out to Ted Washington. That 40 you're talking about was one of the most unnatural things <laughs> I think I've ever seen. Because you're like, okay, Jordan Davis is huge. We've all seen him. Everybody knows, oh, that's 99 on Georgia. Like, remember watching the games last year, like, 99 is huge. And then you see him run in the 40, and you're like, all right, well, that should be illegal. Why can he run that fast if you he weighs that much? you kidding me, man. Honestly, Jordan Davis right now, if he's there at number 23, I, I would love that for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I will say this. You, you, you can't say. You can't say Jordan Davis without thinking of Robert Kimdichie. I, I'm just saying right you now. call me a downer, I, and then you bring I, up Robert Kimdichie. No, I, it's the tri- I love the Deech. I was all over it. I Okay, you know what? I need to back up. Robert Kimdichie, to be fair and to be accurate, um, I said there's no way in the world if he's in the top 15 that I'm drafting him. I said that. There's no way I'm doing it. And why? What was my concern of Robert Kimdichie in the top 15? Oh, I don't know. But on tape, it kind of looked like he took a playoff from time to time. That's not great. Not that, great. I'm just saying, and that isn't great. You want people that love to play the game. You want people that got motors, man. Um, but the Deech, when he wanted to play, oh my goodness, it was scary. And he had every physical attribute you could possibly want out of a dominant three technique. But I do remember at the end of that first round where the Cardinals were picking. And I said, you know what? On draft day, I changed my mind and I said, can I just tell you right now if Robert Kimdichie is still on the board? I think it was 27 or number 29. It was 29. It was the Cardinals Cardinals were drafting. I said, if I'm Steve Kime, even though I've already made my mind up about Robert Kimdichie, if he's there at number 29, I am getting up and walking around that big rectangle. (laughs) I am getting up and reconsidering my position on Kem DG. It's at that point, and I know it worked out horribly, but at that point in the draft, it's not nearly as much of a risk as it is with a top 10 pick. It just just isn't. Now, Jordan Davis hasn't been mocked to the Cardinals that much, but the reason he hasn't been mocked to the Cardinals that much is he's typically off the board before they pick. So here, I'm going to throw another name out there for you. And this is a guy that has been mocked to them quite a few times. Kair Elam, cornerback, Florida. Hopes are still high for this 6'1.5", 190-pound cornerback out of Florida, despite a drop-off in production during his final collegiate season. At his best, Elam uses his sub-4-4 speed to excel in press man coverage. He's patient, well-balanced, and can take advantage when contesting throws. At his worst, his technique can be lackluster, and he reacts to blown coverages poorly by committing a penalty. Scouts are high that he can get back to his consistent ways after a down year. His NFL comparison, Jalen Johnson. 
<laughs> Listen to Jim right there. Take everything he says is fact. <laughs> It is so awesome right there. He's lackluster. <laughs> he could have said, Kair Elam can sprout wings and fly, and I'd have been like, well, I mean, I guess. But sometimes he he's lackluster. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness, Jim. You are awesome, dude. Uh, okay, you know, I. yeah, they need a corner. I, I want the Arizona Cardinals to be there at number 23 and say, oh, my goodness, who is the best player at corner, at defensive tackle, at edge, at wide receiver? Those, those positions, who is the best player? And, again, there's bound to be somebody that is there, high on their board, that they could take. If it's Elam, I'm all for it. That's that's great because I don't sit around and watch all this college tape. I do not do it. But the scouting departments, this is what they do. You just got to make sure that you're going after a guy that can help you now. Now, I understand drafting inside linebackers and understand that those inside linebackers, their opportunity to go out and really make an impact in the first year is not very good. It just isn't. And I was saying this before Isaiah Simmons. I was saying this before Zayvon Collins played. I was saying it in training camp. Hey, listen, be careful. You can't expect a lot out of an inside linebacker in the National Football League, especially in the year 2021. Because of all the jet the jet motion, the the jet sweeps, the eye candy that's all over the place, it's very difficult to actually come in and make a difference as a rookie playing inside linebacker. Yeah, but the way they're structured now, they need a guy to come in. The, the needs that they have on this team right now, they can't develop a guy necessarily with that first-round pick, which is tough because you're picking 23rd. You're not picking 4th, you know what I mean? You're picking 23rd, so this is going to test how well you can draft to get a guy at 23 that can step in and help you because you're not going to be able to address edge and wide receiver and defensive line through free agency or trades right now. You're going to have to hit on one of these guys in the draft. You're going to have to hit on one of these guys. There's no doubt about that. And again, um, wide receiver is one of these positions I think you've got to throw into this group, especially right now. Uh, here's one more from, let's go Edge, and uh, this name has been linked to the Cardinals 15 times in mock drafts. David Ojabo, Edge, Michigan. This six foot four, 250-pound edge rusher played alongside Aiden Hutchinson on Michigan's defense. Ojabo's biggest weakness, the amount of football he's played. He picked up the sport late, but every year he's shown improvement in his physical and mental execution. His upside is evident, and he's shown that he has the potential to be an impact maker on the field. He goes for the big play and uses his agility regularly. This is certainly a developmental pick, and with Ojabo tearing his Achilles at his pro day, it might take a while to see him develop. His NFL comparison, Cliff Averill. <laughs> if, I, if I just play Gem Draft Did you hear that? Gem right there. His biggest weakness, the amount of football he's played. It just, that that is fantastic, man. Oh, that is so good right there. Um, yeah, that is always a danger zone. Danger zone. The amount of football he's played or hasn't played. Isn't that right, Jim? Um, 
How good can he possibly be? Has he hit the ceiling, or is he just on the floor right now? He's got everything you could possibly want. Is he going to get better? Is he going to develop the instincts that you want? Typically, first-round picks, once again, you want the highest percentage you can possibly get. Not the biggest upside you could possibly get. Yeah, that's a good way the to put it. The highest percentage of him panning out and being an excellent player for you that you could possibly get. You can't miss on the first round picks. And that's why a guy like Ojabo is kind of concerning to me for the Cardinals because, A, the torn Achilles. They need somebody that can step right in. There's there's reports out there that he should be good to go by the start of the NFL season. Sure. But again, you're talking about a guy then that doesn't get to have an offseason leading up to his rookie year. The Cardinals have enough guys that haven't got to have a normal offseason. It's not a knock on Ojabo the way he plays, but to your point, in the first round, I want the guy that I'm pretty sure I know what I'm getting. He's there late in the second round or third round or whatever. Well, yeah, give me the upside guy. Because then it goes from, hey, this guy hasn't played enough football to, hey, this guy hasn't played that much football. How good could he be? <laughs> you know, he might, we don't even know his ceiling yet. So it's all just, uh, it's all tone. We'll get back into this. We're going to do some of the offensive players later. But when we come back, it's time for today's top stories. We'll take you through them all with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.